and we sit in that William room at the front there and we just pray for the school for an hour. And um, this week when I was um, praying for the school, I felt like God um, start talking to me about painting, which is funny. Rhoda's not here today, but um, I've been doing a reno at my house recently and... Um, and um, paint's not, I mean, it's not not fun, but it's not fun. It's that, that necessary, nearly finished, just like I think Rhoda thinks painting is fun. Um, and so she's been helping me paint, you know, and she said to me, now you can't just go and paint the plaster. You know, God started talking to me about paint, my mind automatically went there. And he said, no, no, like canvas painting. But, you know, the same thing happens with a canvas painting. If you're going to paint an actual canvas, unless you're a bit of a hack like me, you, you should actually cover the entire canvas before you start painting with a layer of paint because it stops the thing stretching and shrinking and it stops movement and it stops whatever you're going to paint on the canvas cracking and, um, and deteriorating over time. Right? So if you watch a good artist, they will actually start painting the canvas by, by covering the whole canvas with paint that looks like nothing. So they've just spent half an hour painting that thing. And if you were watching that process, you would be standing there going, what are they painting? Looks like nothing. There's no detail in that, is there? That's just like a necessary thing. And um, so I, I almost saw God show, you know, showing me this painting that, that's being painted, but there's no detail. And people are kind of getting a bit frustrated because they want to know the plan. <clears throat> and they want to know the details. They want to know what this thing's meant to look like and what's going on, right? But we've just got some background starting to happen. And uh, Caleb's going to play a clip on the screen behind us just for a moment. And I'm going to just chat while that plays, not that one. And um, so then um, he reminded me of something that I had seen a number of years back. About 15 years ago, I, I saw a guy similar to this. And um, this guy is a Christian guy. He paints um, for some worship teams. It's pretty amazing if you see them in person. There's a couple of people that do this. And so, he, you know, he's depicting the story of the cross. How amazing. And um, he's way better than me. But he's, we're starting to see some detail in this painting, right? Initially, when he started this, he would have painted that whole black that, that whole canvas, blank canvas white. And we're starting to see some, some detail in this picture and it's starting to set the, the story, I suppose. You know, we know the story, Jesus hung on a cross. Oh, that's not what's going on there. <laughs> Jesus hung on a cross, he's not there anymore. Things are changing and now I have no idea what this picture looks like. doesn't make any sense to me anymore oh it's love I get it yeah right oh that's gone too I don't get it anymore this is all getting very confusing sorry about the ad we can't get rid of that what has this guy painted you might need to pause it there so we can actually so sometimes in the midst of life, we're in the season where the undercoat's going on to that back piece of canvas and there is no details. And other times there's bits of details that we think we know what might be happening. and We start to like, oh, yes. And who knows when you get a few details, you're like, that's all I need, I'll just do that. And you wander off on your own version of what's going to happen. And then there's times where the few details that we thought that we knew beyond any doubt don't seem right either. And they get messy. I talked last week on the fact that um, 
you know, even though people, Jesus had said to those around him that he would come back, the time between him dying and him coming back would have been a pretty emotional, frustrating, upsetting time to live in. Because I'm pretty sure there would have been some doubt there around, really, I didn't expect it to happen like that. And yet, at the end of everything, there's this glorious picture. And that's a picture of our lives. So, I'm going to read to you from um, Romans 8. Romans 8, 29. And it says, For those God foreknew, those ones that he created, that's us, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The whole purpose of the cross was reconciliation for us to him, that we would become in his image, that we would be transformed. And it goes on to say, in verse 30, and those who, predest- who he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And so there's a process. There's not just a pity, pretty painting that you can pick up. You know, you can't go to Kmart this afternoon and get the printed version of something. That's not the process. That's a copy of someone else's end product. Your journey is a painting that is being um, eternally revealed as you go through the process. And some days look amazing and and people will look at other people's lives because we love to compare, don't we? So we'll look at other people and go, oh my gosh, amazing. You know, people are coming to my house, they look at my kitchen and go, oh, stunning kitchen. And all I think is if you saw it a week ago... There was concrete dust as far as the eye could see. So there's transformation that God's promised us. But it also takes us to be willing to be part of the process. If we're constantly, if, if you think about our lives as a canvas, if the canvas is constantly moving around and never actually letting the painter paint, nothing happens. Painter's still the painter. Canvas is still the canvas, but there's no imprint, which is what it's designed, what God's design is. Yeah. So as we take communion this morning, this is another opportunity for us to come into an encounter with Him, to actually have the DNA of heaven deposited into us this morning. And and the end result's pretty magnificent, isn't it? Who picked that he was painting Jesus before? Roses did. She's seen it before. <laughs> so, you know, the first time you watch a video like that, you've got no idea what's going to come out at the end of it. I have no idea what the end of my time here on earth will look like. I've got some snippets got some little insights along the way probably like you know a millimeter by millimeter sections of my my painting but I don't have the middle of it and all around the edges and everything else okay and there's some bits that have been smudged over the time and changed and that's okay but this is our opportunity for him to do some painting this morning yeah so father we just thank you We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. God, we thank you that you did it so that we would have relationship with you. Father, we thank you that you laid down everything for us. And I thank you that you've called us into family and you've restored us into community. And so this morning, as we take communion, God, I just ask that you would imprint your heartbeat and your DNA onto hearts this morning that people would encounter you. Father, we know that um, this is just not a token, God, of who you are, but this is the power and the strength of heaven 
when we partner with it. And so, Father, we're asking for healing in this place this morning. God, for those who need it in their mind or in their body, their emotions, God, we just ask that there's healing, God, that comes this morning. Would you take communion with me this morning? Yeah, Father, we just thank you for the shedding of your blood. Father, we thank you that the laying down of undercoat on a canvas is our giving giving our life to you. And I thank you that the detail in the canvas is the rest of our Christian walk. And Father, we thank you that you can speed up, God, a shift in us to understand who we are and whose we are. And so this morning I just ask, God, that even those who've known you for such a long time, God, there would be an encounter, God, that reminds them, God, whose they are and the strength that they walk in and the power that they walk with. God, and for those who might not know you this morning, I'm just asking an encounter with heaven. God, that they would lay down their lives before you as a canvas to be painted and to be made beautiful. And Father, we just thank you for encounters like that right across our city this morning. Thank you for the blood poured out. Amen. We, we are going to take up our offering now, and I've got a, a short little encouragement for you. It's fun that it's uh, totally in line with our communion message. I love it when God does that. He does it all the time, actually, but it's still fun. Um, James, I wanna, if you've got your Bibles... I want you to turn to James 1. James 1. James, 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 James. And we're going to start at verse 2. I'm reading from the New King James Bible. It says... My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many of us have heard that verse before? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, this is a good one. It's a good one. Um, but the Lord showed me a, a beautiful part of this that I want to want to share with you this morning that helps us uh, in a lot of different areas, I'd say. Um, the question came to me when I read it, why patience? Of all the things that the testing of your faith could produce, why does it produce patience? I thought about it and what what is patience required for? When do you need patience? Okay. When you're in the middle of something, right? When you have an expectation of something happening and it's not. <laughs> when you are believing for something and you can't see anything happening. When you have got a promise and you really want to see that happen, but there's no evidence in your in your existence, in your experience. You can't see anything. 
patience is required in the waiting. Patience is required in the process. And how many people have experienced or are experiencing a process of one form or another in their life? I would say that would be every single person. <laughs> in some area in our life, we are always in process. And so that's, that's what patience is required for. And there's a, there's a, I love this verse because there's like a couple of, it's like a f- little formula of things that are working together in absolute wonderful harmony. Yeah. See, patience, it seems, is what provides a platform in the waiting for your faith to remain strong and steady. And so why does it start, if patience is required in the, in the waiting, and we, we've got that, and in a test, in a trial, patience is, is a really, really helpful thing. Why does it encourage us to count it all joy? What's, what does joy have to do with it? What part of this equation does joy play? Why would we count it all joy? How, how have you found it in your experience uh, experiencing patience and feeling patient when you're angry. Does that work too well? Can you be angrily patient? Uh, what about frustrated? Can you be frustratingly patient? Doesn't really work that way. <laughs> this I love what this verse is saying because it's saying, look, here's the outcome of a test and a trial and a waiting period, if you can start with joy, if you can start with joy, if you can see what's, what the potential is, Quinton's just gone splat over there. He loves doing that. If you can count it all joy, knowing, knowing what the outcome is, then joy sets the atmosphere for patience to be developed, for the testing of your faith to actually produce patience. And see, we see this picture of, uh, in this verse of, of joy and patience in the midst of a test working together to uh, make the experience of that test, of that waiting period, a productive one, a fruitful one. So I just wanted to, to bring that concept and that verse back into our giving. You know, our, the purpose and the heart attitude of our giving should be one of just that we love God and that's what we want to do. Lord, we, we just love you. We can't do anything but show our affection towards you in everything that we do. And giving and being generous is just one of those things. But he instructs us to be generous and he instructs us to give. So it's also an act of obedience. And he also promises that as we give and as we, as we tithe, that he will open up the windows of heaven. That he would pour out such a blessing that we wouldn't even have room to receive it. So there's this promise as well. And, and he, it's an encouragement to hang on to that promise. He says, test me. Test me that, that this promise that I have given you will be proved that my faithfulness in this promise will be proved, that he will be proved faithful. So as we give, let's just, let's just meditate on this, on, this, uh, on this verse and this concoction of faith, of joy and patience. If you feel like you, you're in a process and you've been faithful, but you have not seen anything, any result of that, you're in the process. And some areas in our life, we can be in process for a very long time. <laughs> for a very, very long time, it seems to us. But can I encourage you to count it joy, even if you don't feel the joy yet. Lean in and go, all right, Lord, this is what you've said is going to happen. That in the test, in the waiting that the testing of my faith is going to produce patience. I want to feel that patience. 
let's start with joy. Lord, help me. Help me to count the things that I'm going through as joy. (laughs) And we need His help in that, yeah? We need His help. It's not something you do on your own. Nothing, can I just say nothing in this word, in this book, is something you do on your own. Everything written here is an invitation to walk out with Him, right next to Him. He is not asking you to do something that He will not do with you. He's not asking you to do anything alone. Because He wants more than anything to be close to us, to be in connection with us. And that's how He has designed our entire life. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you so much that you have designed our life to be lived in a place of joy. Even even when we are tested, even when we are waiting, even in the process, on the journey, Lord, you have laid joy out before us. Father, we need your help. Lord, we need your help. Father, would you just show us the path to joy? Lord, show us how the situations we're walking through are designed to grow patience. Father, that we would be content in every circumstance, in every situation, no matter what it looks like. Father, I thank you that the seeds we have sown, Lord, in our giving, in our faithfulness and obedience to you, are growing. Father, as we fix our eyes on you, Lord, we trust in your word as you said to test us, to test you. Father, we want to do this connected to you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new or visiting here, we encourage you to to, uh, give your tithes to where you're fed. If you've got a home church, then please give your tithes there. If you would like to uh, give or put your tithes in, here there is a post box at the back and um, giving details are on our website as well if you give digitally. All right. Time for the word. Thanks, Dad. Who's had a bit of a feed already? Ooh, here we are. Here I am. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that, that idea of not doing anything by yourself, it's, it's throughout Scripture, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't work without him. Does not work without him. Now, I want to um, look at something this morning that we all have to deal with, each and every one of us in some form or another. And uh, I've given this a title for one of a better title. It's Give the Enemy No Place. Give the Enemy No Place. Because the thing that is common to each and every one of us in one form or another is fear. In one form or another, we all have to deal with and overcome fear. Now, fear is the root that worry and anxiety stem from. Okay? So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a family. <laughs> it's not a, very, not a very pleasant family, but fear, worry, anxiety, and things that, that stem from them. Now... Fear came into man's experience, we understand, we read it in the book of, of, of Genesis, through the fall. So through disobedience, fear came in. And we, and we see that when um, you know, God came to walk in the garden as, as, was, uh, as, as he did in the cool of the evening with, uh, with his creation, with his finest creation, Adam and Eve. And... 
and they had sinned. They'd, they'd done what they, what they were told not to and, and eaten from the tree. And they went and hid. They were afraid. Prior to that, there was no fear. Can you imagine living a life without any sort of fear whatsoever? How would, how would that be? But you know, that's where God wants to take us. He's actually taking us in that direction. Now, 1 Timothy 1, 7 said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So that's what we're promised. Power, love, and a sound mind. Now, when Paul writes this to Timothy, he's, he's obviously writing because there was possibly an issue there. Timothy had the responsibility of, of, of leading a church in the, in, in the location that he was and he would have had opposition because there's always opposition from the enemy. And Paul, as his spiritual father, is writing to him and, and saying, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So right from that very verse, we understand that fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. And that spirit can have influence in our lives if we give it place. Give no place to the enemy. So everyone can feel fear of some sort. That's not the issue because the enemy will always come with fear. We can feel fear. That's not an issue. Have you ever heard the expression, just do it afraid? You know, you, you need to do something and, and, and you're, feeling a, you know, you're feeling that fear or dread or whatever. And you just, no, just, I'm just going to do it afraid. Because the issue is not the feeling of fear. It is only an issue when fear controls our actions. So when fear controls our actions, we're under the influence. Apart from that, the enemy's just trying to do his work. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read this from the, from the Passion Translation. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 and 39 Uh, Verse 38, he also says, My righteous ones will live from my faith, but if fear holds them back, my soul is not content with them. That's that's um, from another scripture, Old Testament scripture. But if fear holds them back, my soul is not content with them. But we are certainly not those who are held back by fear and perish, We are those who have faith and experience true life. So fear will hold us back. Now, that in itself, that in itself is a a decision. The fear, when it comes, our agreement with the fear to allow it to hold us back from doing what God has called us or, or what we know to, to, to be right is, is the issue. So fear will hold you back if, you, if it's given a place. I just want to have a look at, at some areas that, that come from there. I said fear is the root and uh, worry and anxiety stem from that. So... These are some definitions. Now, look, you can, you can get into definitions and, and you know, I'm not a, psych- a psychologist, so, um, uh, you know, the, you know, psychological definitions, you know, go on for pages and they can be very confusing in themselves. So I'm going to keep it simple for, for this example. But this is um, worry. Um, this is the uh, Greek word de- defined, what the, we use worry in, in Scripture. Uh, Worry, to be anxious about, have care or take thought. Okay? So worry is to be anxious about, have care or take thought. Be thinking about it. And we know that. Who's ever ever had a sleepless night because 
they've been worrying. You, you turn that thing over in your mind and, and all the different permutations and combinations of how it might play out and if I say this, they'll say that and it will, you know, blah. We've, we've, we've all, you know, we've all done that. We've, we've all given that a, a place at some stage. Okay, so that's worry, to be anxious about. Anxiety, a feeling of worry. Okay? Carefulness, fear, heaviness, sorrow. There is a distinction, though, because worry is, is, is to do with our thought. Anxiety is to do with our feeling. Okay? So we know that you know, we, we are created in the image of God as body, soul, and spirit. And our soul realm is the, is the area that we really have our difficulties with because that's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. So the idea of the, the thought of worry, that's in our, in our thinking realm. Um, anxiety, that's squarely in our, in our emotional being. And, uh, and uh, yeah. So fear, worry, and anxiety actually have three main components. So there is that emotional, there's that, you know, it could be fear or, or, or dread. It you know, can be not rational, it can be just because it's a spirit. Um, and don't expect anything rational from the enemy. It can be cognitive, so it can be those negative thoughts. It could be the, the thing, it's, the, 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 the situation that you're going into that might cause you um, this, this worry. Or it could actually be your, your, your thinking regarding the negative thoughts regarding yourself. The, the enemy likes to work on, on us as individuals. And, and he, he knows what to, to bring to, to push our buttons. And then there's the physiological. So, you know, it could be whatever. It could be, you know, heart palpitations or sweating or stomach issues. There are many physical um, things that come to, or many things that are in our physical body that are indications of fear or worry or anxiety. So they're generated in our soul the emotional and cognitive area, but they're manifest, they can be manifest in our body. Now, our will doesn't get a mention in there anywhere because it's the thoughts, it's the feelings, so it's the mind and the emotions. Our, our will doesn't get a, a, a mention because that's our decider. Our will is our decider. So we can have negative thoughts that come to us. We can have harmful emotions that are, that are playing on us. But our will is what God has given us to decide what we're going to do with all that. Do I understand that? Our will is something that God isn't even going to mess with. If you decide not to believe that he is through your life and die in that condition... That's going to have a result. God will continually come. He's, it's, my goodness. It's the, it's the mercy of God that he keeps giving people opportunity. He keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. <laughs> but he won't make you. God does not make you. Because that's your will and that's sovereign. <laughs> that's yours. You make those decisions. You know, Jesus was very clear. Matthew 6, verse 25, he said, and that passage that comes from that, do not worry. He says, do not, therefore, do not worry about what you will wear, you know, what you will eat, all those things. Now, if you look at that passage, it, he's actually talking a lot in that passage uh, about money. Now, what we eat, what we wear... They are linked to money because you've got to buy clothes and you've got to buy food. Now, 
when he said do not worry, it, you, know, you, you might have somebody say, well, that, that's all right if you've, got enough, if you've got enough money, you don't have to worry about it. Can I tell you that worry and fear are not um, exclusive to those who, who don't have a lot of resource? If you've ever, ever read anything about um, uh, John D. Rockefeller, um, you know he made his uh, he made his money in the in the oil business in transportation of of, of oil. So we you know we're talking in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s. Fabulously, fabulously wealthy, hugely wealthy. You you, you could not possibly spend a fraction of of what he had as far as uh, monetary resource was, was concerned. And yet, it's very, very well documented that he went through life with a fear of poverty. How can you be so... How can you have all this stuff and have a fear of poverty? But the decisions that he made, time and time again, were based around a fear of, I might lose it all. I might lose it all. I've got to cut out my competitors. I've got to make sure that, you know, I have a monopoly on this so that I do not have any opposition so that, you know, I can't possibly be, you know, can't possibly lose it. You know, Jesus also gave us a very clear path to a solution. So let's, um, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'll pick it up in verse 28. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Where's our problem? It's in our soul realm. What we think, what we feel, and ultimately what we decide. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that word labour in there, it's to be wearied, to feel fatigue. And, you know, if you've done a hard day's labour, that's, that's fine. You know, physically you can be fatigued. You can do no physical labour. And uh, if you're allowing um, those issues of... of, of of worry and anxiety to, to play within you, you can, be, you can be absolutely fatigued. It can wear you out. It will wear you out. Heavy laden in that scripture means overburdened with spiritual anxiety. Overburdened with spiritual anxiety. Because that's where it's, that's its source. That's where it's coming from. To rest is to refresh and take ease. And that word yoke, for, for, some, you know, for, for some people, you, you may not have come across the, the word yoke. Young people, you may not have come across the word yoke other than what you find in an egg. But um, that's not what I was talking about. But the yoke was put on oxen. So in, in, so in Jesus' time, they knew exactly what was, was happening there with that word. Because you'd get a you'd get an old ox, okay, who'd done the was trained, knew exactly what to do, had it all down pat, and they would put a yoke. So they would this yoke would be a wooden contraption that went over and joined the two together. And you put a young ox beside the the experienced one, and where the old one went, the young one would have to go. And the young one would probably fight against it for a bit, you know, pull against, try and go the other way. But eventually, they would move together because they were yoked as one. They were joined together as one. And that's where Jesus wants us to be. Yoked with him. Where the Holy Spirit moves, we move with Holy Spirit. That's where he wants us to be. So you can fight against the yoke or you can go with it. You know, Proverbs, uh, sorry, Psalms 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 
That's a promise. That is a promise in the word of God. Do we trust what Jesus... Jesus is the word, Old Testament scripture. Do we trust what the word says? Do we take the promises of God and say, okay, that is for me and that overrides what I'm feeling or the experience that I'm currently going through. Caleb was talking about patience. Count it all joy. (laughs) Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter chapter 5. These scriptures, you can go back to these scriptures. These scriptures are powerful words from God. They are promises. They are something that you can use when the enemy tries to come at you to put him in his place. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll read from verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Can I tell you, humility is such a key in our lived experience in God. You take humility out of your lived experience, you're not walking with God. You are not yoked with God. It's not happening. Four. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. He cares for you. Now, we, we do this sometimes. Let's say that um, this, this, uh, this basketball, which Mel tells me I have to pay rent on because it's from her office upstairs. This ball is our, is our care. This is our problem. This is the issue that we have. It's, 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 it's personal to you. It's individual to you. It might be with people. It might be with a situation. It, it might be something, oh, I don't even know what it is. You know, sometimes, anxiety, sometimes worry is about something specific Anxiety, because it's in our emotional, it's feeling. We don't actually know what it is. We don't actually know what it is, but we know that it has a source in the enemy. And this can be what we do. We, we cast our care. We cast our care upon the Lord. And then we reel it back in. And we take it again. Doesn't really work, does it? Especially when you gets all tangled up. But don't we do that? <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we cast our care upon the Lord. Yeah, I've cast my care. You know, I've cast my care upon the Lord. Yeah, Lord, help me with that. And then what do we do? We start thinking about it again. And we just reel that thing back in. And it's back with us. And, you know, we can, we can relate to that. You know what God wants us to do? <laughs> he wants us to cast our care. Just sever that connection. Sever that connection. You know, James 4 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you doesn't say resist it doesn't say resist the devil and he will flee from you it says first submit to god resist the devil and he will flee from you that's the humility side of things and this might be a little bit hard to hear but what stops people from asking for help just in the natural what stops people from ask, going to someone and asking for help? If we can put it down to one word, what is it? Pride. It's pride. I can do it all by myself. 
you know, well, you, you get a you know, two and a half, three-year-old, I can do it all by myself. You know? Yeah, okay, go, go right ahead. Go your hardest. But sometimes we don't, we don't actually lose that. We don't actually lose that. That, that area of pride where, oh, no, I'm not going to ask anybody for help in, in, in something. Yeah. When we don't cast our care, as those, those two verses uh, are describing, when we don't cast our care, it's pride and not humility that's at work. When we reel it back in, It's pride and not humility that's at work. There's a a scripture that I've used before and and if you've been around for a while, you you know that's the the one that, um, or one of the two that that Wilma sort of directed me, I came across when Wilma said, when I started teaching you at school, read Psalms and Proverbs and see what jumps out at you. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Well, this was one of the first two. Psalm, sorry, Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. (laughs) In all all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's the yoke. (laughs) In all your ways acknowledge him. Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Does it have to make sense to you all the time? No, because it's not going to. We saw it with the, with the painting. And I thought, what on earth is that mess? Didn't make any sense to me at all. But then you see it. Then you see it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Not some of them, all of them. And he will direct your path because you will be yoked with him. And where he goes, you'll go. And this is a process. We know it's a process, (laughs) as is everything. Good scriptures. And, you know, they're not ones that, oh, you, you I heard that on Sunday and never think about them again. They're ones that we need to keep going back to and back to and back to and back to and get them in our heart. So that it, that's actually that defense against what the enemy tries to bring to us individually as far as those worries and, and anxious thoughts. We can cut him off. Cut him off. Now, Paul had so many different experiences that we will probably never have. And I hope never to be stoned. I hope never to be beaten with rods. I hope never to be shipwrecked. I hope never to be bitten on the hand by a snake, etc., etc., etc. And and the things that 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 he left with us in in so many of his letters is so powerful because they are that is actually a lived experience of the goodness of God. He's not talking theory. <laughs> He's talking, this is, this is what it is. And he says, Philippians, to the Philippian church, in chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything, by prayer and supplication. Let, supplication is it's a, a, a diligent... Prayer is actually is worship. You look at that word. Prayer is worship. Worship is the highest form of prayer. When you get the opportunity to worship God, do it with all your heart. It is the highest form of prayer. Supplication is our, is our request. Things that we're asking for. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes 
all understanding <laughs> will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Another promise. Another promise. <laughs> oh, glory to God. And verse 8, I'm going to read verse 8 out of the Passion Translation. Verse 8 says, Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honourable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. <laughs> what are you giving your mind to? Give the enemy no place. Give the enemy no place. Give place to what God has said. Give place to the good things. He plays it with that upstairs. <laughs> Give place to the good things. Give place to the positive things. Fill your mind with what is authentic, real, honourable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy, merciful and kind. Can we do that? It's a decision. It's a decision. It's an act of our will. And, you know, we've got Holy Spirit there to help us all the way. But we've actually got to humble ourselves before him and cast our care. And, uh, and then it's gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have the answer to everything that the enemy has done, is doing, will ever do. Lord, you've solved the sin problem by giving your life for us on the cross. Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, we have everything that we need if we would only submit to you and allow you to lead us in all things. So, Father, I'm just asking right now, Lord, that these words, your words, would go deep into our heart. And, Lord, when the enemy comes, as he will, with the, the, the lies, with the, with the anxious thoughts, with the, with the worry, with the whatever he, he has, Lord, that we would be able to cut those things off by being in obedience to you, obedience to your word and using your word as you've designed it to be as the sword of the Spirit. And Lord, just to be able to cut those things off in our experience. Father, we want to be ones that live, give no place to the enemy, to what he says and what he wants to try and make us do or not do. But we want to be ones, Lord, who are, who are yoked with you, Lord, who will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and come into that true life and be able to uh, express that and, Lord, share that with those that we come into contact with. So, Father, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do within us. Hallelujah. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Now, you know, there are levels of, of, of um, we'll just say that there are levels that, that, um, that we experience in, in these areas. And uh, if you're feeling this morning that, oh, <laughs> this is really hard and, um, and I need some help, well, if you'd like some prayer after, after we, um, we finish this morning, um, please, we'll be, we'll be here and uh, we can agree with you. Cut some of this junk out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord bless you really good. Amazing, amazing. We've got a few announcements and then we will get some lunch, come back and hang out together. Awesome. So our normal weekly things are happening this week. So for those who need a reminder, Monday morning, 
um, just in the foyer. We'll meet you for playgroup. So if you've got a preschool child who you want to bring to hang out at playgroup, do that. Even if it's like a really little person or you want to steal your grandbaby for the day or something and bring them and come and hang out with some adults, um, come and do that. That's Monday, 9.30. Wednesday, we have our prayer meeting here at 7.30. So um, make sure you join us. That's always fun. Thursday morning, we have a school prayer meeting. I spoke about that briefly before, 9am. So as soon as school drop-offs happened, just because your kid's not in the school anymore or because your kid's grown up, moved on, doesn't mean you can't come. And it, if your kid never went here, that's a perfect opportunity for you to come here and pray for the school. So 9 o'clock, Thursday for that. Um, Thursday night this week is the men's night at Lockie's house, um, 33A Browning Street, Kangaroo Flat, if you need to know where and how. Um, I feel like Kangaroo Flat, if you don't know Browning Street, you don't know Kangaroo Flat. seems to be like the non-main main street. Um, so find Lockie's house, 7.30, Thursday night. All of those details are reflected on our website as well on the events page. So if you get home, brain like a sieve, like me at times, go to the events page. Christmas dinner is coming to church near you. This one, actually. The 16th of December. Um, we've had some great nights and um, times together as a family this year, and that's going to be another one of those. But 16th of December, 6 o'clock here. If you haven't personally been invited, consider this your personal invitation, and your invitation is out on the foyer bench. So make sure you get one the foyer table, make sure you get one before you go, um, bring the kids, we're going to have something fun for them to do, so make sure you come along. Can you, can you, if you're like me, right, this is crazy time of the year, so there's nothing in your diary, and then tomorrow, there's like 12 events, so go home today before the other 11 events get in, and put that in, all right, 16th. All right, a couple of things um, that excite me that are coming up. One, we do it every year, but we should be excited about it every year. Southern Cross Kids, we get the opportunity as a church to buy Christmas presents for kids who may not actually receive a Christmas present. Now, when we sit in a perfect auditorium, probably with enough money in our bank account, we probably ate breakfast, most of us had a coffee, and our life looks pretty okay, it doesn't make sense that there could be kids living next door to us in our street who aren't getting a Christmas present. But I'm telling you now, there is. If you hear the backstory of some of these kids that make it on camp, um, you would be at Kmart this afternoon buying Christmas gifts. Don't do it this afternoon because you're staying here. But at some point. Um, so just have that in the back of your mind because if you're the super organised and you're at Kmart this week, do it this week. If you're not, just keep it in your mind. The Christmas tree will go up. That's your reminder and you'll go, amazing, let's do this. Is that okay? Cool. The other thing that we want to do, um, who knows we have, we have a school, yeah? Who knows we have another school? There's a few nods. Where's our other school? Fiji. Um, and we uh, want to support that as well. So there'll be donations taken up for um, a Christmas book appeal for our Fiji school. So here's the deal. Um, cash is easier, right? Because then they can we can organise what we need for them. Um, but we have a square machine. So for those who are organised but not organised, you can just tap. Don't worry about cash. There's a machine out there. Tell us what you want to put towards it. We will note that and we will transfer it to the appropriate people on Tuesday. Is that okay? So you can do that whenever you want. In the lead up to Christmas, any donations to Fiji, I will gratefully accept on the square machine and we will make sure they get where they need to. If you're the cold hard cash person or like the gold bullion, we accept that too. Um, 
it can go in the box down the back with a note to where you want that to. I know in the past we have had some people with Southern Cross who really want to do that, but the getting to Kmart thing becomes a bit of an issue. If you're that person who financially wants to contribute but can't get out and do the shopping and that kind of stuff, slip one of us some money and say this is what that's for and we will arrange for that to manifest into a toy. Is that okay? Awesome. Um, one last announcement from me because someone gave me a microphone. Um, thank you so much to your financial contributions and your physical contributions to the school breakfasts. So we've had two school breakfasts now. Um, both of them have been very successful. Um, it was just great to see a whole bunch of our school kids um, coming in and having breakfast with us um, at 8 o'clock on Friday morning. Um, and so it's just a way we can bless the school and bless um, those kids. I am fully expecting that as we go into the new school year next year, that that will be something that gains more and more and more momentum. So if you're someone who's come and um, helped, or if you're someone who's um, slipped some sneaky cash to us to make that happen, um, thank you so much. It doesn't go unnoticed. Um, and I know the school's really appreciative of that as well. So thank you. All right, are you ready for lunch? Cool. So if, yes. Excellent. So, um, coffee is happening now, because that's important. Then, child safe for those who need it. Lunch for those who are going to nick off down the street, get some lunch and bring it back. And then we are under the guidance of Timothy to weed and do fun things. There's things to do. There's things to do, people. Is that all right? Yeah. Amazing. Great to see you all. See you shortly. For those who've got to leave, great to see you this morning.